I wish we were, typically for the first Friday of the month, there would be an April Fool's joke, but I, I'm not going to do that to you guys today because I don't really know any good ones. And that's always that awkward feeling when you pull a trick on someone for April Fool's because then they get really mad at you and then you feel like you understand how maybe they really feel like you on a normal day. So, <laughs> so you, uh, those are always a little awkward. Uh, grateful to have you guys here this morning. Uh, we were a little, a little late getting started this morning, so thanks for, for being patient. Um, we're in that season where it's uh, Easter time, and people are kind of deciding, you know, do I do my duty and get to church uh, one of my two times of the year, Easter or, or Christmas? And so uh, it's, I think it's not as hard as we might think to get people to church this time of year. Uh, you know, we all have a circle, and I know here we've been talking a lot about the big number and really getting a lot of people in our doors, because we feel like at our church, if we can get them through the doors, we'll keep them here through all the different things and how we have really connected with people uh, personally. So I just, I want to challenge you, it's my challenge today to myself, is, uh, you know, you all have a circle of influence, uh, you all have people around you that you know are not churched or, or are on the fringe, haven't really made that decision yet, um, but it's up to us, it's up to us to grab people and say, hey, I care about you, um, can you just, can you, can you join me, you know, just for one Sunday, they're going to probably go somewhere anyway, because they're doing their duty. Uh, so let's really work on that. Let's really work on making an effort to find out who in your circle can at least open up a conversation. And if it doesn't have an Easter, it's not the end of the world. But again, we're talking about open conversations about, hey, what are you doing? You know, what, where are you in your life? Where are you, you know, do you have a place where you belong? Do you have a community you're involved with? Because whether or not people really want to admit it, everyone wants to be a part of a community somewhere. Why not, why not it be ours and, and be here at Church of the Move? So something to consider. Uh, this morning, we're uh, super excited to have Pastor Brent Troxell with us. You know, uh, in the in the uh, grand scheme of things in this breakfast, our goal is really always to have you guys come away with two or three nuggets that you can walk away and say, man, today I learned two or three things that I can apply. You know, over the last two years of doing this, uh, it's been really great to see the number of people that have come through and our speakers. We have several here in the room today. And I, you know what I love is when I look back at each one of them, I can say their name and say two or three things that I learned from them. And that's kind of, you know, it's kind of what our goal is as guys is as we go along our, our journey, we, we, you know, I've got this, my um, little backpack that always has things that I've learned along the way that come up at different times. You know, if I learned something about uh, leading, you know, it, I, can, I can point to several of the speakers here that have spoken that have really impacted my life. And so today with Pastor Brent, one of the things I love about him is he's just incredibly faithful. He's been here, guys, 17 years. That's a long time to be anywhere these days, as you guys know, especially in business. Um, but for, for as long as he's been here and, and the faithfulness we've seen with him, I've learned so much from him just being around him and watching him move and watching him just be promoted from, from area to area. You know, now he's a campus pastor here at, at Main Campus, so we see him a lot here on stage. But I'm so thankful for the time he's spent here at our church and the, and the things he's done here um, working here at the church. And one of the things that I love, too, about him, he's been married to his wife, April, for 25 years. So very faithful there as well. Um, today, uh, we invite him to the stage and are very thankful to have Pastor Brent Troxell. Uh, good to see you. Thank you so much uh, for having me. What a, what a privilege. Seriously, what a privilege um, to hang out with you guys. What a privilege to, to be here. I don't ever want to take for granted the, the privilege of just being man on, on staff here, let alone just being a part of this church. This really, really is a privilege. Uh, Johnny, thank you so much for what you do for this. This is a big deal. Um, I don't know how I'm, I'm sure people tell you that all the time, but this is a really, really big deal. Thank you so much. I know you put a lot into this. You put a lot of time and energy and effort into this. Uh, you're changing our church. Thank you very much. Would you guys give them a hand clap? Thank you. Seriously. Thank you. 
Uh, like you said, I've been here. I was hoping my hand, my headset would work. That's all right. I can use just one hand. I can do that. Uh, I want to share some things that I've learned over over the course of um, of uh, many years. Uh, some simple thoughts and ideas that I I pray help you. If you would, if you have a Bible, go to the book of Genesis. We'll just start there, and we'll just see how far we go. Uh, go to the book of Genesis. Uh, how much time do you got? <laughs> Genesis chapter one, um, God is a God is a storyteller. It, just driving in and looking at the the sunrise, um, looking at the things around you, God's a storyteller. He's the ultimate storyteller. He is the ultimate illustrator. Everything that you and I feel and see and hear and touch and taste, everything that God has created is is telling a story. <laughs> He really is a storyteller. There are things that are created intentionally to tell you a story, to tell me a story, for us to understand more of God, more of His character, more of His passion, more of His plan, more of God's ways. God's ways are all around us. Seriously, everywhere you look, David said, the heavens declare the glory of God. Uh, when we just look around, slow down enough to look around, we see stories and that's how God teaches us. He, that's, that's one of the big ways God teaches us. Uh, one of the ways with, uh, in walking with God is, is learning a little bit more about how these things work uh, around us. There is, there is a, there's a duality. Let me call it like that. There's a lot of Bible teachers that will call it a duality, which means there's something physical but it points to something spiritual. There's something that's real, that you can touch, that you can feel, that you can see. But it points to something spiritual. It points to a greater purpose. There's something physical that I deal with on a daily basis. But it has, uh, the, the bigger meaning is something spiritual. You see this all the way through the Old Testament. Uh, it, what Paul calls this in the book of Colossians is a shadow. There are things that we run into all the times that are shadows. Think about your shadow. When you walk in the light, you have a shadow uh, that is a representation of you, but it's a misrepresentation of you. It's incomplete. It's an in, let me say it that way. It's an incomplete representation of you. It's not the real you. It is you. Your shadow is real, but it's not all of you. There's still some mystery there. So... If I were to try to tell who you are by just looking at your shadow, there are things that I'm going to miss. I'm not going to be able to see everything about you. you. If I'm trying to figure out who you are and know you by your shadow, there are things that I, I'm not going to be able to see. There's mystery that's going to stay there. Does that kind of make sense? I know that's really simple, but the idea of a shadow is it's just a piece of you, but there's still a lot of mystery there. There are shadows all through the Old Testament. They give us, give us hints and ideas about God and His ways, but there's still mystery there. It's incomplete. So, um, Callie, ton of, tons of examples. One example I think of, I just read this the other day. Uh, Moses is, is uh, leading the children of Israel through the desert. Uh, they have not made it to the promised land. And he goes through one part by the Red Sea. And uh, they had just crossed the Red Sea. He goes through one part, still by the sea. But um, these snakes start coming out and biting the, the children of Israel, these people. What Jewish history will tell you is there's somewhere between two and three million people traveling with Moses. There's a lot of people. 
And these snakes come out, and a little deeper study tells you these are most likely carpet vipers, which lived just under the surface of the sand, and they were jumping out and biting these people, and people were dying. So Moses cries out to God and says, God, you know, help us with, with these snakes. These people are dying. And what God does is he tells them to make a snake out of bronze, stick it on a pole, and stick this pole way up in the air. And if anybody gets bit by a snake, tell them to look at this snake on a pole, this fake snake made of bronze on a pole, and they'll be healed. And that's what happened. So these guys were getting bit by snakes by, I don't know, the hundreds. But this big snake hanging on a pole was up in the air, and if they would just look at it, they were immediately healed. That's a shadow. It's like, what? That's so strange. There's so much mystery there. Why would God pick that to use to, to heal these people? Why would God pick that? Way later, about 1,500 years later, Jesus is talking to a man named Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee, who is a teacher of the Scriptures in the New Testament. And uh, out of the blue, he brings that up. Imagine for 1,500 years, these people wrestling with this idea, what the heck was that snake on the pole thing? As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, there's uh, Hezekiah, one of the kings, I don't mean to get into crazy history, but one of the kings of Israel um, ended up breaking that snake on a pole in a bunch of pieces because years and years and years later, the people began to worship that thing. It became an, an idol. It became a, a thing of worship because they didn't understand it. There was so much mystery. But anyway... Jesus just randomly brings us up to Nicodemus and he said, just like Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. That was a picture of what was going to happen with Jesus. The snake on the pole. Snake is always a, a picture of sin. And the scripture says, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. So, but the idea was, here you have the shadow, which is a real physical thing that really happened in the Old Testament. But then you have the spiritual reality, which was still a real thing, but much more real. Does that make sense when I say a shadow and then something real? Dude, there are, so, there are tons of those all throughout the Old Testament. This, this idea of a physical thing and then it points to something, something real. Um, <clears throat> I want to look at one of these, which I think is one of the most important that we can look at. That was just... Let's go to Genesis 1. Uh, where do I want to start? Genesis 1. Let me read verse 14. Genesis 1, 14. Uh, then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be, be for signs and seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights. I want to mark that word, lights, in the firmament of the heavens to give light there it is again, on the earth. And it was so, and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. This is day four of creation. God creates the sun and the moon and the stars. These are light-emitting objects. Um, when you look at a little deeper study of this, the light of day four is the Hebrew word ma'arot, M-A-O-R-O-T. Uh, which is a light-emitting object. That's the sun, the moon, the stars. Things that give off light. Darkness that's talked about here, night and darkness is talked about here. And again, this is day four of creation. Okay? Day four of creation uh, is the word le'il. L-A-Y-I-L. Le'il. Nothing negative about either of these. As a matter of fact, God calls both of these good. 
God calls the day good and he calls night good. He calls light good. He calls darkness good here in day four. Some of you are thinking, didn't God say, let there be light in day one? Great question. Let's go back to uh, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, so let's go, this is, this is day one of creation. We were just talking about day four of creation. Here's day one of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then the earth was without form and void and darkness, completely different word, was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse three, then God said, let there be light and there was light. God saw the light and it was good. First time in the whole Bible, God uses the word good. He said, this is good. This is a different kind of light. Day one light is... um, is different from day four light. Again, day four light is ma'arot. Day four darkness is le'il. Day one light is the Hebrew word or, O-W-R. If you're taking notes, you can write that down if you want to go back and study it. God calls this good. Here's the idea of or. This is life. This is the idea. So when you look up this word in a concordance, this this denotes life, um, goodness, joy. This is the basic requirement for life. Nothing else in creation can happen until this foundation is laid. So this is the foundation for all of life. This light had to land. God had to lay this down for anything. You and I couldn't be created. Animals couldn't be created. Trees, grass, all that stuff couldn't happen until this is laid first. This is the, this is the foundation for, for that. So here's why I kind of brought up the duality thing before. Sunlight in day four is a good picture of the duality of the real light spiritually. Does that kind of make sense? It'll make sense in a minute, hopefully. At least it does in my brain and in my heart. (laughs) I hope it comes out. Day one darkness is this. Day one darkness is the word choshek. It's the Hebrew word C-H-O-S-H-E-K. Darkness in day one versus darkness in day four is crazy different. Crazy negative overtones. This is a very, very negative word. The main idea of this word, darkness, in day one of creation is a sense of blindness. It means, it means void, it means empty, it means mainly a sense of blindness. So you have this idea of this foundation for life, and then you have this idea of, of complete darkness. And a, more than just nighttime, more than just I can't see. Do you remember one of the plagues of Egypt? the darkness that hit on one of the plagues of Egypt, it wasn't just the lights that were turned off. I can't see. It wasn't just that. Josephus, a Jewish historian, said there were people that died in that. There are are times that you see other places in Scripture where there was a lot of confusion that that happened. It was this sense of blindness. It was this type. It was choshek. It was this type of darkness. It's different than just I can't see. This is a huge sense of blindness. Does that kind of make sense to you? Um. This is a big deal. Walking with God is learning to walk in this light. Or we can miss it and start walking in this darkness. Learning to really walk with God and walk in His ways is learning to walk in His light. And I don't mean just sunlight. Obviously, there's something greater than just sunlight. Isn't it interesting? We always talk about God created light in the very beginning. We don't realize He didn't create the sun, the moon, the stars until day four of creation. So here's uh, one of the main scriptures I, I want to leave with you. This is Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 18. The path of the just, Proverbs 4, 18 and 19. The path of the just 
is like the shining sun that shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. One translation says, says brighter and brighter and brighter. In other words, just like the sunlight, like right now the sun is still coming up and it expands and grows and expands and grows. The path of the just, somebody, when you're walking with God, your path should be getting brighter and brighter and brighter. What you and I are learning to do when we walk with God is learning to walk in His light. The more we learn to walk in light, the more light we get. The more you walk in God's light, the brighter things get. The more you walk in darkness, the darker things get, the more blind you get. So when I make choices that are dark choices, things get darker. When I make choices that are when I'm walking in light, this is a real thing in Scripture. Things get brighter. I don't just, if I start walking with God, all of a sudden have all the light that I need. Light gets brighter. And let me say this. Remember, God said light be. So in other words, light is available to everyone. When you and I are born, you, you and I all have, um, we're all born with a certain amount of light. There are, there are things that you know without being taught. Um, apologists will, t- will call this your moral compass. You've, just, you've probably heard this, your moral compass. You know that it's wrong to steal. How do you know that? You know it's wrong to commit murder. You just know it. I just know it's wrong. You don't, oh, it's like George Costanza said, was that wrong? <laughs> you know, if somebody would have told me if that was wrong, was that wrong? You just know some things are wrong. Now, there's some things you need to learn, but there's things you don't have to teach your kids. They just know they're wrong. What is that? That's, you have light. The more you chase that light, the more you follow it, the brighter that gets. And here's what I would say about that too. Again, there's a lot of questions that people have um, walking with God. What about people that live in in a jungle far away and they never, they're never around a church? How, you know, do they make it to heaven? Everyone has light on the inside of them. And if you will just follow that light, you'll run into Jesus. Every time, every time. God will find a way. You and I have an amount of light in us that will continue to grow as we walk in that. Same way, you and I can walk in darkness and things can can get darker and darker and darker. It's the same way. But you and I have an amount of light that we have to decide to walk in or to reject. So walking with God is learning to walk in, in, uh, in more and more light. And God's faithful to give it. Um, but there, again, there are things that you hear. There's things that you see. There's things that you and I can run into that can cause darkness. My dad died when I was 16. I watched him take his last breath. I was in the hospital room. And I, uh, I remember, um, man, I loved the Lord when I was growing up. I grew up in church. My parents were in ministry. I was in the church building every time the doors were open. And I remember sitting at lunch tables at school. And I, We didn't grow up in this church, by the way. But I remember sitting in lunch tables at the school talking to people about the rapture and, man, talking prophecy. And I was just a kid. I always loved it. And I loved it. Man, I, I love the Lord. At my dad's funeral, I had this guy walk up to me, a, re, a super nice guy. And he meant well. He meant well. And people mean well when they, when they say things like this. But he said, Brent, you're, uh, God needed another flower for your garden. And, man, your dad was a rose. And I just, you know, I, I, as a 16-year-old kid, I, I know that guy meant well, but that messed with me, bro. That messed with me. 
And for years, I ran from God. And I, I don't, I don't want to say I blame it all on that because I don't want to put that on that guy. But there was a sense of blindness that hit. There were, here, here's the idea. So like one of the Ten Commandments is don't take God's name in vain. Vain means empty. If I were to take a bottle of water and just pour it out, that's the idea of vain. It, when you take God's name in vain, you're taking God and you're emptying His character. If I start saying something about you behind your back that's not true, and I start messing with your character, start saying that you do things that you don't, don't normally do, I'm taking your name in vain. I'm emptying your character that you've built up, this trust, this character, your manhood. I mean, I'm pouring that out. And people do that with God all the time. And what happens is you turn people away from the Lord. People have a wrong idea of God and His character by what you said. And there's a lot of people that have a, a wrong view of God because people say things. And maybe they meant well. You have to be very, that's why James tells teachers of, of Scripture, be very careful what you teach. You're held accountable for it because you can, you mess with people, man. But that's, that's where Koshet comes in. That's where this idea of blindness comes in. Does that kind of make sense? Man, I haven't even got started. How much time do I have? Okay, come on. Um, so what we're doing is we're learning to walk in this light. So let me give you three things. I really need to see how much time I have. Okay, I want to be, I want to honor your time. Let me go through really quick three things when it comes to this idea of light. Here's the first thing I would tell you. Uh, let light in. And this is something you and I have to be intentional about. Let light in. You being here today, you're letting light in. When you go to church, you're letting light in. It's like you walking around your house and opening the blinds. Light's coming in. Lights coming in. I just talked with a family. I'm doing a funeral for them on Monday. Uh, they just lost somebody. And that's the first thing I told them. Uh, whatever you do, let light in. It's so easy when you experience a loss. Naturally, we want to just curl up, close the blinds, turn off our phones, leave me alone. And it's easy to, for us to do that. We just want to just leave me alone. Let light in. Get around people that are talking to you about the Lord. Open the blinds. It's like walking around your house and opening the blinds and letting sunlight in. Be intentional about letting light in. When you read your Bible, it's not just, this is not just gaining knowledge. This is light. This is light of Genesis 1. It's changing you. It's opening your eyes. Paul in Ephesians 1 says it's the opening the eyes of your understanding. That's what he's praying for the church at Ephesus. It's, it's opening your eyes. It's helping you to see things. The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines brighter and brighter until, until the perfect day. You're, you're, um, you're changing. It's changing you. It's, it's light. Does that make sense? So you and I intentionally let light in. When I stay away from church, I miss a lot. I stay away from a, I'm not in, I stay away from a small group. I hang around the wrong people or I'm not around the right people or whatever. I'm making a choice whether I'm walking really intentionally letting light in or not. Because my decision is I can either let light in or I can reject light. Just like the sunlight, I can let it in or I can close all the blinds. That's my decision. Again, like our moral compass, we all have a certain amount of light on the inside of us. I know it's wrong to steal. But if I keep stealing, I can suppress that light and that can become darker and darker and darker until I don't even feel it anymore. I can just steal without feeling any remorse. When at the beginning, when I first started stealing, I felt bad about it. But I can do it so much that I can actually put that light out. Does that make sense? We can do that with any light. When you walk in light, you get more light. But when you walk in darkness, that light starts getting dimmer and dimmer. And you can put it out where Romans 1 says... 
uh, that God gave people over to, the, to uh, that they just became completely dark. It gave them over to, their foolish hearts were darkened is what the scripture says. A reprobate mind is what the scripture says. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Foolish doesn't mean they were idiots. It means they were fooled. They were deceived. I didn't want to get into that. All right, anyway. <laughs> Let light in. Uh, light, it's light that changes you. Can I say this? We're just men, we're men in here. If you're battling things like pornography, if you're battling addiction, let light in. When you're walking in something like that, things get darker and darker, and it's, uh, it's harder to see the path out. If you'll just be intentional with letting more and more light in, you'll start seeing things about Jesus that will completely set you free. I'm telling you, let light in. Let, how much light am I letting in today versus how much darkness am I walking in? I'm walking in this koshek darkness, which is blinding me to the path where I almost think there's no path out. That's how addiction works, any addiction. Versus walking in light where you start seeing more light, which brings more light, which brings more light. That's how Jesus is. Jesus is the light of the world. Let light in. Number two. That was a long number one. Number two. Walk in the light that you have. Light isn't just something for seeing. Light isn't just for having around you. Light is for doing something with. Light is for walking in something. Remember the, 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 the parable that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 7? Um, the wise man who built his house on the rock, foolish man who built his house on sand. Storm came, hit both of them. One fell, one didn't. What was the difference? One guy, or they both heard teaching. They were both around the things of God. They both heard one built his life on it, one did not. So you have two people that heard one that did something. Two people, let me say it this way, that got light. One that did something with that light, that walked in it. The path of the just is like the shining sun. It's a path that you walk in. Not just, hey, I can see that. That's awesome. But something that you do something with. Uh, I just read something. Go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 33. Four, five, three, thirty-three. Ezekiel thirty-three. Ezekiel thirty-three, and verse thirty. As free, and this is this is just. Uh, we are talking. Some people think months before the rest of Israel was destroyed. The northern part of Israel was taken out by the Assyrians. The southern part, where Ezekiel is prophesying to Ezekiel, was a prophet in the Old Testament, and he's talking to the southern part of Israel. And this is right, his wife has already been killed. Um, and he, this, they're, they're about to get taken out. But here's what God tells Ezekiel. This is Ezekiel 33 and verse 30. As for you, son of man, the children of your people are talking about you beside the walls and in the doors of the houses. And they speak to one another, everyone saying to his brother, please come and hear what the word, of the, uh, the word is that comes from the Lord. In other words, come hear what Ezekiel's saying. He's good. He's a good preacher. He's awesome. I get his podcast every time. He's, I mean, I follow this guy. I follow his Twitter. He's, he's good. That's what, that's what this is saying. The word of the Lord that, come, that, that comes from the Lord. So they come to you as people do, and they sit before you as my people, and they hear your words, but they do not do them. They get light, but they don't walk in it. For with their mouth they show you much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. Now listen to this part. Indeed, you are to them... 
as a very lovely song. One translation says, you're like a concert to them. It's like, man, that concert was awesome. That's what they're saying. This guy, is all, he's a great speaker. He's a great communicator. Come listen to what he's saying. You, their words are great towards you, but they don't do anything. Their hearts pursue their own gain. Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear your words, but they do not do them. That's having light, but not walking in it. And man, there's examples of that all, all through the scripture. So you, so you see that in the Old Testament. Ezekiel was prophesying and they loved listening to, listening to him. What a world we live in today where we have all these books and speakers and communicators that are, that are amazing. I think we go to the greatest church in the world. We have the greatest communicators in the world. And he, I hear it all the time. Man, that was my favorite message. I love when he preaches on that. And I always want to say, me too. What are you doing with it? I'm not trying to be step on your toes or be ugly, but that is, that's the idea of walking in the light of hearing because it's, we love to hear and we listen and you, we should, man, I'm a podcast junkie, man. I love it. I love listening to good teaching. I've had pastor George tapes when they're back green, the green tapes way back in the day, man, I'm telling you, I love them. But there was a time I had to decide, all right, what am I really doing with this? Am I just listening to listen or am I really taking a step? This is the difference between just Letting light in and actually walking in the light. James says, if we hear but we don't do, we deceive ourselves. The devil doesn't deceive us. We deceive ourselves. We think everything's okay. I've listened to that podcast five times. In other words, I'm deceiving myself thinking, well, I know it, but am I really doing anything with it? Does this kind of make sense to you? Let me read one more thing. Uh, let me give a New Testament version. This is Matthew, Jesus talking. I'm hurrying, I promise. I know you need to go to work. Matthew 13, I think. 13, uh, 14. And in that, this is Jesus talking. Matthew 13, 14. In them the prophecy of, of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, now Jesus is about to quote Isaiah. This is quoted in Isaiah. This is obviously Isaiah says it. Then it's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans. This is seven times in the scripture, which tells you this is an, an, a very important saying, what Jesus is about to quote here. In them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, but you won't understand. Seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Listen to this. And their eyes they have closed. God didn't close their eyes. Satan didn't close their eyes. They closed their eyes. It's like having light, but closing your eyes to it. I see it, then I close my eyes to it. Now listen to this. Lest... Or unless they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they would understand with their hearts and turn, then I would heal them. That's Jesus talking. What? That's amazing. In other words, I have a choice to either walk in this light that I'm getting, or I can reject it. If I walk in it, think about what the sunlight does to the earth, where it brings healing and growth and everything that does. Same thing, this, the light of Genesis day one does for us when we walk in it. Jesus said, if they would open their eyes, I'd heal them. There's a lot of us that struggle, and God doesn't want you to struggle, man. He, light is available. He said, light be, it's there. But so often, we just, we reject it. We keep it at a, at a distance. Is this kind of making sense? Okay, I'm going to close really quick. Number three, my last point. Be honest with the light that you have. Be honest. 
There's sometimes you and I need to go back and confirm what we know. If you feel stuck in your marriage, if you feel stuck in your leadership, if you feel stuck in your walk with God, I would assume, I'm just going to venture out to say, there might be something that you know you need to do that. And it's not just rejecting light. For example, there's time, I've been married to April for 25 years. This is, I don't know what that is in jewelry. I know there's like a diamond years. Maybe this is like titanium or something. Aluminum. This is a, 25 years might be aluminum. This is going to be an easy year for me. All right. Always a done. Always a done. As husbands, um, there's sometimes we need to, and I've done this, man. There's sometimes we need to go back and remember our vows to our wives. Be honest with what I know. Be honest with what I know. What did I promise? Even though it was 25 years ago and I had no idea what I was promising, but still, Scripture says I'm supposed to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Am I doing that? Because I have light on it. I know that. Am I being honest about it? And there are some of those things where it's kind of like the foolish man who built his house on sand where in a lot of parts of my life, I'm doing great here, I'm doing great here, but I know there's some other things I just don't really want to think about it. And it's, I'm not really being honest with what I know. There's times where we need to go back and reconfirm and be honest with the light that we have. Does that make sense? Do you remember Pharaoh? Pharaoh had 10 chances where he saw things from God, but he rejected it and he lost. The the word is respite. In other words, when the pressure was on, he was like, okay, I'll let you guys go. You can get out of here. And then he, when the children of Israel would start leaving, he was like, nah, never mind. And he would actually become harder on them. When the pressure was on, man, he was like, whatever you need me to do, Moses. But as soon as the frogs were cleaned out, he was like, you know, hit him harder, beat him harder. And it got worse. Things got darker for him and eventually lost his life. We have a, a decision to either walk in light or walk in darkness. Does this make sense? The light of Genesis 1 is a big deal. Let me close with this. I want to read you some scriptures that I printed out. Great study if you want to do a study on this. Great study on uh, just looking up The word light. Light comes up over 500 times in Scripture, and I'm going to read every Scripture. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I do want to read some. So this way, every time you read the word light in your Bible, hopefully it makes a difference, and you can see what this is meaning. Because David says this a lot. Other writers in Scripture say this a lot. Darkness the same way when you read the word darkness in your Bible. This helps me read my Bible. I read my Bible differently, not just when I read the word light, but... I know I need to let light in. That's what my, your chair time is so important. I'm letting light in today. It's like the sun coming up in the morning. Again, it's a duality. It's a, it's a reminder. Oh man, have I let the real light in? Light's coming up over my house. My grass needs it. My things, everything, you know, we need the sunlight. Have I let real light in? It's a reminder. It's a physical reminder. Constant. That's why Jesus taught the way he did. He used rocks and trees and birds and water as physical reminders that you see every day, you use seeds and farmers and a man, uh, the kingdom of God is like a man who plants a seed in the ground and goes to bed and doesn't think about it. That's a great reminder of prayer. A great reminder of if I pray, am I going to bed and not worrying about it? Like I would if I was planting a seed in the ground. It's things that you and I can grasp and remember. Let me read a couple scriptures on light. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light. Psalm 43, 3, send out your light and your truth and let them lead me. We have a lot of songs that have this word in them. Maybe when you sing them, when we sing them in worship, it might make a little difference. Psalm 119, 105, 
Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Lamp to my feet means, means steps. Light to my path means future. A lamp to my feet, steps I need for now, direction I need for now, wisdom for the future, light to my path. Does that make sense? Proverbs 13.9, The light of the righteous shines brightly, but the lamp of the wicked is put out. Proverbs 29.13, The poor man and the oppressor have this in common. The Lord gives light to both. It's like an equal opportunity sun. Everybody, gets, everybody can have this. It's who walks in it. You can reject it or you can keep walking in it. Does this make sense? Am I? Have I? Okay. I just want to make sure it's coming out because this is like, I love this stuff. This is one of my favorites. Psalm 119.30. The entrance of your word gives light. That's why I read my Bible. That's why you read your Bible. The entrance of your word gives light. When you come to church and you hear the preaching of the word, it gives you light. You, the idea of being honest with the light that you have. You know why some people get uncomfortable when we teach a series on marriage? It's because you're sitting next to somebody who you, you know you're both getting light on this subject. And crap, I got to do something with it because she knows I'm hearing this. And I know she's hearing it. It's like, ah, crap. You're being held accountable. This is, that's why I love small groups. Your small group is holding you accountable to the light that you have. If you're in a small group or in a circle of people that can say where you talk about, man, that was a great message. Awesome. What are you doing with it? Man, our last small group, I'm telling you, it, our, my small it, it kicks me in the butt. We were talking about something randomly and our marriages came up and the question came up where we all had to go home and ask our wives a certain question. And we're going back to report to our group how the conversation went. <laughs> it's accountability. Light came out. We talked about it. Here's what we need to do. But it's so easy if you're just on your own to just walk away and kind of reject it. But if you're going to be honest with your light, a lot of that has to do with uh, accountability. Man, I love our small groups. All right, where was I? Pro uh, Proverbs 6.23, For a command is a lamp, teaching is a light. Psalm 118.27, The Lord is God and has given us light. Isaiah 2.5, O house of Jacob, come let us walk in the light of the Lord. Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Choshek and Or. John 8.12, I am the light of the world, Jesus said. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. Choshek, same word. But have the light of life. That's what he's talking about. Jesus just referred to the light of Genesis day one. 1 John 1. This is the message which we've heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness. Same word. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. True fellowship is holding each other accountable. It's not just, hey, we hung out and had breakfast. It's like, hey, what are you going to do with that? That's the small group idea. That's why we love small groups. It's, that's what fellowship really is. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. One more scripture. Two things that are absent in heaven. A lot of things that are absent in heaven, but two of the big things. Revelation 22.5. There will be no darkness there. Choshek. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. You and I have the ability to walk in light or walk in darkness. Can I pray over you really quick? And then I'll let you go. Lord, thank you so much for being so faithful to us. You give us light. Help us to walk in it. Uh, help us to always be re reminded to let light in. 
uh, opportunities like this where we get to hang around, sit around tables and let light in. Lord, give us wisdom and clarity to walk in the light that we have and not reject it. Uh, Not just to be people that just have light just to see, but to actually do it. Because when we do that, you promise us that that we get more light, that that the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And that's what we want for every man in our church is to walk in more and more and more light. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for having me. You know, it's interesting. Um, some of you need to go. Feel free to go. But just one more minute, and I'll, I'll let you go. Um, it's interesting that I also feel like that people are light to us. And this, this morning, I think we've definitely have been, uh, and been around some bright lights. You know, there are also people in our lives that are, that are bright lives, that are bright, that are, we live around every day. Um, one of the things I'm very excited about next month is uh, Jeremy Andrews will be here with us. Is Jeremy here somewhere? I, there, this is Jeremy Andrews. Jeremy will be here with us next month, and we'll be sharing uh, on hearing from God, uh, his perspective from an average guy. Jeremy's a father of three, has a newborn at home now, and has been a, a good, close friend of mine for a long time. You know, we've worked, I said earlier, we've worked really hard at bringing guys in here that some are pastors, some are not pastors. So among us, many of you could, could grace the stage with your story. And uh, we're thankful that we continue to bring people along the stage that are, that are going to help you um, on your path. Um, and yet so many of us, the average guy, we have a story to tell and I'm very excited next month to have Jeremy with us. Uh, we are not the first Friday next month where May 12th is our next men's breakfast. Um, that first week is there a lot of graduations going on. And so we moved it just one week further. So let's pray and I'll get you guys out of here. Father, thank you so much for our time that we've spent together. Lord, seal this word in our hearts today, Father, about light and darkness. Lord, I pray that we walk in light today. Lord, we think about it. It's on our heart all day long. I pray that's something we share with our friends. Lord, I pray that's something that we live daily. Lord, we thank you for your word that has the ability to change our lives forever. Lord, we're honored to be in your presence. We're honored to be among great people today, Lord, the people sitting at our table, the people around us. Lord, we love you. Thank you for our safety uh, and everywhere we travel today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys.